This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Morton, and welcome to my podcast, which is entitled A Cup of Joe. This is a podcast dedicated to health and wellness. So we're going to talk about it all, and I love this subject. I'm passionate about it, and I want you to know something. I'm grateful to be a part of your journey. And again, all the different things that we're talking about are going to help you understand that you hold the key and that your success is in your hands and greatness is out there for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of A Cup of Joe. Excited to have you with me. Thank you for joining. I'm excited to have my guest, Sean Christian, a very good friend of mine, incredible leader in our community. Uh, he is an owner of T3 uh, Endurance Sports. If you're in the, commu- uh, the triathlon community, you will know that here locally. Uh, incredible store. Love it. Love your shop. The, everything about it is phenomenal. He is the director of neuro fitness at Telos, which we're going to dive into. I'm super excited to hear, hear about this. Also the race director of a longtime uh, event called the Timp Trail Marathon. Um, and if, so if you've done that event, if you're local, this is your man. This is the man that puts it on every year. And also USAT uh, instructor and uh, race director. Uh, all of the above, we're going to dive into this today in this podcast. So thanks for joining. The best way, though, that I can introduce Sean, I think, today, and I want to tell a story, if that's okay. Uh, we did an event called the Grand Traverse, and it's a ski event. We, you have to do it in in pairs. And so Sean, Sean and I were paired up for this event, and it's a skimo race. So you uh, backcountry skiing, basically, and it started in Crested Butte, Colorado, and it finished at uh, Aspen, Colorado. And it's 38 miles. Is that right? 39, yeah. something like that. You go up and it's freezing. We started at 11 o'clock at night is single digits, go up to the top of Crested Butte. And then you just basically drop into the back country and you start going from there. And you, the rule of this race is because it's all back country. If you don't make the first two cutoffs, they make you turn around. There's nobody to rescue you because you're out in the middle of nowhere. You have to turn around. So we're going up this grind all night long. That Remember that? Just oh, that yeah. long, long grind. Never ending. Never Seems like it was never ending. Cold, freezing in this, in this beautiful, but you know. And these lights start passing us. Because if you didn't make it, if you know you're not going to hit the cutoff, you have to turn around, you have to go back. Nobody's saving you. So they start passing us one by one. Psychologically, it's kind of getting into, into my brain a little bit. And we made that first cutoff. It's now the sun's starting to peak, but I'm starting to doubt whether I'm going to get that second cutoff. And and I've never not finished an event. So I was like, <laughs> and I'm looking at it and it's like undaunting feeling. It was up at the top of this ridge line, And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't remember. We had like an hour, hour and a half and we, or something. Yeah, it's a we big had, climb to the top. You can just super see it way big up push. there. And I'm just getting as much from this aid station. It was only water, but I'm loading up on my water because I had run out of water and I'm down in a bunch of chews and I'm starting to doubt myself. And Sean just very calmly just said, Joe, we're going now. You can do this. I'm like, yes, I can. I could do this. And I just downed a bunch of chews and boom, we went off. I entered my pain cave, so to speak, and just started going up that. And it was that belief that you had in me, Sean. I really appreciate that because I got the proof right here. I got the little, I got the, the finisher medal. It's a well-earned medal. Right there. Yeah. I'm telling you. And we, we made it to that cutoff with like a minute or two minutes. I don't remember what it I was. I think we might've been the last group to come through that. Before it was, the cutoff. it was tight, but we made it. 
and we finished that event. And I have to thank you. And that and that's a fitting way, in my opinion, to introduce you because this is what you're really, you work with people. You work with people. You coach them. You encourage them. And um, and this is this is kind of what you do, and you do it very well. And you have a very calming af- approach to it. And I appreciate that as a friend. And be able, and that moment for me was very very important. And I think back on that, and I've thanked you several times. But I thank you on this podcast as well for that. But that's a Thanks, great way Joe. to introduce you. Thank you. And just I thought that would be a good way to just welcome you to this podcast. Thanks for joining. Absolutely, really appreciate it. And uh, before we get into Telos, where. We, we were talking the other day, you, you and I kind of entered the triathlon world around the same time, right? Yeah, we did. In fact, we did some of the same races and we didn't even know we were there together. Mm-hmm. One big one in Cancun, right? Yeah, that, that's right. Man out there. I looked it up. It was 2003. 2003. Mm-hmm. They'd never done it again. That was the only year. It was it's a pretty epic event. I know, I know. We both did it. That was kind of cool. But since then, I mean, you've done, what, what you've done. Who knows how many triathlons yeah, kind of, you put on triathlons? Yeah, you, put on triathlons. I've done, I got into the long distance triathlons, so I, a lot of Ironman distance, like yourself, and then kind of migrated a little bit more into the mountains because I really love the mountain events. So some longer mountain bike races and ultra marathons, the Wasatch One Hundred, obviously the Squaw Peak mm-hmm. Fifty. I've done that eleven times, Whoa, but just 11? a lot of a lot of you know, and Wasatch five times. So I, just a lot of mountain time which kind of converted me a little bit into expedition adventure racing, which are, you know, multi-day stage races comprised of mountain biking, canyoneering, rock climbing, a lot of paddling, trekking, all done by compass and map and done in teams. And that's what I loved about that ski race, right? It wasn't just you, it wasn't me individually. It was a team event. Mm-hmm. So you don't finish, I don't finish. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like that team dynamic. And that's kind of where I've been at the last Five years is adventure racing with with teams. You know? And you've done them all over. You've done, I know, Oregon, I think. Oregon, Ex- Expedition Oregon a couple times. Um, Fiji was the big one. And um, in the Wasatch, they had the four wins. It was a seven-day adventure race that was here back in like 2000. And was that your first one? Six. Was yeah. that your first one? That, kind that of was kick, my first expedition level. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had done a couple 24-hour races, but that was my first multi-day, seven-day expedition-style racing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got I got to support you on that one in Fiji, which was epic. I mean, mm-hmm. incredible. Incredible. The coolest race I've ever done. Amazing. Amazing. And I can attest again to to the uh, the inspiration that you brought to the team and the, that calming effect. And it was, like, amazing to watch you, to be able to – be behind the scenes and watch you and the team, of course, James and, and the rest of Aaron and the rest of the team. Incredible, incredible team. That was so remarkable. Yeah, that was quite the event. We couldn't have done it without you. Mm. So you were kind, you say behind the scenes, but you were, you were up front in the scenes. Like we, every step we made were you, we were thinking of you. We got to get to Joe. Joe's Joe will get us to the next checkpoint. It's like, yeah. So wow. that was an honor for me to be there. That was incredible. And just, it's almost like a blur right now, you know, cause we couldn't take pictures. That was yeah, true. part of the thing. And it's almost like a, a blur that took place, you know, the nice thing is we can always kind of relive it cause it's yeah, still it's, on Amazon. It's still Prime, on right? Amazon. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you can watch it. Um, the, uh, eco challenge, the world's toughest race. Yeah. It's on Amazon prime, uh, easy to watch and really inspiring. I thought it was so many excellent team. Absolutely. But, but our team was very well focused on for the, for the event. So done all these, all these events kind of 
brought you to Telos? And I remember, in fact, um, we were talking about this the other day when I first started getting to triathlons, I would see the Telos um, van, uh, trucks and or the Our trailers, trailers, trailers at the different events, Echo Reservoir and Jordan Allen. Tell us about that. So tell us about Telos and how this kind, because you use uh, sports, you use endurance sports to um, teach youth through troubled times. Yeah. And on so many different levels, mm-hmm. right? But it's one of the pillars that we use um, to help our, our students be successful in life. And, you know, we, we started this back in 2004. And the students back then are so much different than the students we have now. But the same principles and benefits that we get out of exercise are the same. So back, back then, it was different time. It was pre- Cell phone or smartphone, hmm. right? So pre, pre social media, yeah, pre 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 all that. The students we had were a little bit more resilient back then. They kind of had to work for things, mm-hmm. um, and so our our big our big draw was to help you know with anxiety and depression, self esteem, with focus, right? Overall health. But now now those principles still apply, but now it's so much more. It's changed. It's evolved because now with the smartphones, everyone, including me, have gotten less resilient because everything's become so easy. I can do, I can have all the information I want right in my phone, right in my hand. I can order a meal. I can order a car. I can spend hours just looking at social media, just wasting time, but it's all right in my hands, right? Back then they didn't have that. So we're kind of seeing a different dynamic of student and the, their needs are a little bit different. And it's amazing how endurance sports kind of help that. If you think about like TikTok, it's like instant gratification. It's like one story after another. And that kind of rewires the brain into next, next, mm. always wanting something different and new. And so endurance really kind of forces you to stay focused and in the moment which helps combat that instant gratification that the the students are having. So that's a cool thing about the endurance part of what we do. Now the, the motor function, like high, high skilled motor function, Mm -hmm. like swimming um, really kind of changes the way the brain works with cognitive function, right? They help them, helps them focus more. So, all around, we're we're seeing big success in how the how how our students perform in school, how they um, open up in therapy. Um, and I always I always say this. I'm ta- probably talking too much, but I I, I always great. say this with the clinicians is motion kind of stirs up emotion. And so when we're out on our you know eight mile trail runs in the morning, I will the boys will have moments where past trauma stirs up or something they're working in, working on in therapy comes up just because it's a hard moment, right? They're under stress and stuff comes out. And what, a, what an amazing place to be to work on those issues that they're having in the, in a team environment because they have other peers with them, mm-hmm. two coaches and in the mountains. I mean, what a better setting and place to open up to, you know how it is, right? When, we, when we're running and we're biking together, 
how we have our some of the best discussions we ever have out Incredible. there. Incredible. Yeah. So the same thing with our students. And so it creates a great platform and there's so many benefits. You know, the basics, right? The neurotransmitters and the feel-good dopamine stuff and the anti-anxiety. It's it's like really the natural cure for depression and anxiety because mm-hmm. we're constantly with these boys putting them under stress. It's like exposure therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So with the smartphone and with us being less resilient, things stress us out way more than they ever have, right? So just the smallest things can stress them out. So if we're constantly putting them under stress in a healthy way, their their anti-anxiety muscle just gets bigger and bigger. And so when things come their way in therapy, in relationships, at home, at school, at work, they're much more successful and have the skills and tools to, to combat all those issues that they've had. That must be very rewarding for you guys to see, to see them go through, you know, I mean, I had my moment out in the mountains. We how we all do when you're out there and you're pressed. It's amazing what come, what can come out. You must see some amazing progress with people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's cool to see them, the progression, right? Cause I usually get to work with these students on average 11 months. So I'll get to see them come in where they were the low resiliency level then. And then how far they come in 11 months is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, and we all have our moments, right? One student could be struggling one day and then I could have a struggling day out there and they, they all kind of rally around me and help me out. So it's kind of a cool team environment. They, we call it the elite team, mm-hmm. but really it's just an honors PE class that I coach. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And this last weekend, you did a triathlon where the students, your boys were able to be involved in a triathlon. You got parents involved. And that must have been really cool to see them go, like, to, to build towards something that they had to build towards. So they're setting goals. and Absolutely. So we, we also host triathlon races, but it's been a while since we've hosted them. It's called the Turkey Try and the mm. Temp Try. It's here in Orm. It's a local race. I did race. the Turkey Try years and years ago. Yeah. I mean, we, we hosted that race for 13 years. Mm-hmm. The Orm Rec Center did construction, so we weren't able to do it then. The following year, we had COVID. Mm. And then we just couldn't get permits the year after that because the police officers were so low in number. COVID mm-hmm. kind of changed yeah. The, yeah. The, the how it looked. But this was the first time we've had an actual race with all the boys since 2017. Yeah. I mean, we've done a lot of other race, you know, like running races, but this is the first time where we've actually hosted a race that the boys participated in. And I, I kind of forgot how big of a observation tool, a therapeutic observation tool the race is. Mm -hmm. It was kind of weird. I, I didn't even really think about it. I'm like, I thought, you know, it's okay if we don't do races because we're training for triathlons every week. So it's not a big deal if we do a race, but it was, I forgot how big of a critical piece it was just to observe the boys and some struggled, some quit, some um, succeeded beyond what I thought mm-hmm. they could do. So it's kind of cool to be able to to see that. And it's really interesting to see that it correlates with how they're doing therapeutically. Mm-hmm. So we have students that aren't really bought in to getting help. They haven't, they haven't really taken a deep inventory and say, okay, I see these things in myself and I want and need to change them. They, they're not there yet. At least we were able to see who wasn't there yet because mm-hmm. those are the students that really struggled on Friday at that race. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, that was cool. Wow. That's cool. Are there any other events that, cause you, do you get them into any of the other running events that are in the local, in the area or? Um, I mean, we, we do some like 10 K our next event we have, it's called family days where we bring mm. all the families in. It happens four times a year and the next one's in November. Mm. And for that race we're doing, um, it's called, um, run for mental health. And it's a 5k, 10k just at Tupanogos park. Is that for everyone or is that that's just, a private event that's a private for event. our okay. families and students? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really we cool. don't race as much as we used to do mm-hmm. um, just because we have so many students yeah. now that it's kind of complicated getting wetsuits and transporting all the bikes to and from. So we've really just kind of honed in on creating our own events, our own private events that kind of have, they feel like a race. They really are a race. They're timed events. And just as a, as a tool kind of observe I, I totally miss that but but it's great because you get to take them through a goal setting process goal achieving process they set their sights like this triathlon for example this past weekend i mean they didn't just wake up that day and i'm gonna do triathlon you had to prepare for that right right so um we're training you know monday through thursday swim bike run at the be- and it's done in like a school setting it's like a pe class we call it the neuro fitness class and they have a a goal at the beginning, um, they set goals for the whole quarter. And then we do a baseline test on their swim time, their run time, and indoor spin time for watts and time. And then we compare that to how they progressed at the end of the quarter. So the, the event that we held on Friday was the closing of the quarter. Our quarter ends tomorrow. So that was kind of like their their final grade. So we also kind of uh, – we we connect that with their treatment team goals. So if the students want to advance in phase, we have earth phase, which is kind of their observatory beginning stage, rain phase, sun phase, growth phase, and telos phase. So in order for them to advance to the next phase, they have had to have completed the last race that we've hosted. Mm. And so it, it ties into their master treatment plan, which always has a resiliency piece to it, which is tied into the triathlon program. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So the other day we were bike, mountain biking and we got into this discussion of your why, knowing your why. And I thought it was really cool because you started to dive into that a little bit. And then we got distracted because we were climbing a mountain. But um, talk about the why. Why, like when, to help your, your boys know their why. And why is, why, why is that important in the process? Absolutely. The why is super important. I run a few, I run groups within our PE class too. So we'll have actually in-class settings where we run through groups. And one of those groups is called your why. Mm. And it's so important. I kind of started off with the boys by saying, you know, what's your why for doing what we do? And usually they, they kind of stumble and like, they don't really know. And, I'm, and I say, this, this is at I, the beginning, like when they're yeah at the beginning yeah. of the group that I mm-hmm. run. And, um, I'll kind of, I'll say if your why right now is because it's part of your school class grade or your master treatment plan, or you're doing it because I come to your room and wake you up and get you to go. I'm like, that's not going to work because I'm not following you home. I won't be there to get you up in the morning and get you motivated and get you going. So you've got to come up with your own why, your own passion for doing it. Whether that's, I have a student right now that wrestles 
whether that's getting prepared to be a successful in wrestling season or whether it's because you want to look, look a certain way or feel a certain way or because you just want to be resilient. And this is the way you do it is by challenging yourself every day by getting up and doing something hard. So it's really important that they find their why. Otherwise, we're just, we're just doing it just for show right now. And when they go home, they lose it. So it's critical that they, they find their own personal why behind it mm-hmm. so they continue to do it. Do you find that that's a process throughout the time that they're with you or does it come relatively quick or does that, is that just an individual thing? No, it's, it's generally a process and some students never get there. Some students just kind of white knuckle it through the whole program. They do what they're, what they're asked, what's asked of them, but they never really internalize it. And so it's kind of, they did, they did it, but chances of them going home and being successful doing it at home aren't very, aren't very good. So there, there's a correlation between understanding your why and the progress that they make, but not just through the program, but of course, ultimately what you're wanting to have after yeah. the program, correct? I, I mean, you would see this. Long-term goal is for them to go home, to find something that they like in our program, that they make it their own, find their why behind it, take it home with them, continue it and just making it a lifetime. I have students that I had a student on Sunday that ran the Chicago marathon that was, you know, here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he ran fast. He ran like a two forty one. So, yeah. So just to be able to go, that find, must be very rewarding yeah, for you. I mean, very, very rewarding. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of success stories like that, but for them to find that passion, that why, and to be able to continue, you know, throughout their whole life. And that's, that's another reason why we throw so much, activities at them swimming biking running lifting our rec therapy program is you know skiing mountain biking rock climbing canyoneering and then all the high school sports that come with it we have a lot of students have never participated in high school sports but they do it in our program so the reason behind that is we're hoping that something sticks that they fall in love with and they take it home and do it for the rest of their life right and then two we're hoping that we throw something at them that scares them and that challenges them and that we can b- build resilience upon that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Chicago marathon, wasn't the world record? Yeah. Set there two hours and 35 seconds. I mean, incredible. That's, yeah. Incredible. Like that, that took place on the Chicago. James was so there. fast. James was there doing that. Yeah. One too. Incredible. So, um, faith and belief in oneself. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Faith and belief in oneself. Do you do certain, I mean, cause you're going to want to instill that I'm sure with the boys to help them have f- belief in themselves, their abilities, their, what they're trying to accomplish. Do you have certain um, activities that you do to help with the why and with faith and belief in themselves? And, and why is that important? Do you think? Now, are you, are you talking more like self, like self-confidence? Self-confidence, like, self-belief. Yeah. I mean, they do a lot of work with their therapist when it comes to that because identity is at this age, right? The niche that I work with, just so everybody knows, is I'm working with 13 to 17-year-old males that are struggling with school and relationships. Those are the kind of students that we work with. And identity is a big part of the issues, right? Almost every student kind of has an identity piece worked into their master treatment plan and the therapists work 
miracles when it comes to that. I think it almost comes naturally as they start to exercise. They feel better about themselves. They look in the mirror and, and see like, oh, I like what I see and they want more of it. They get, they build self-confidence. I think the other piece that comes with, with exercise is the groups that our students were hanging out with at home um, were not healthy, right? Like you've heard, you are really who your five best friends and who you hang out with. You are who you hang out with. So if they were at home hanging out with, you know, people that were getting them in trouble versus here where they're hanging out with people who are exercising and promoting healthy things, that's what we're also hoping for. When they go home and they're exercising and finding that community, they'll have a better success socially as well, right? Because it'd be really easy for them to step right back into old habits and patterns if they're hanging out with the same people. So we're trying to also instill it's critical that you go home and find and hang out with your closest friends or healthy influences. They're exercising, they're mountain biking, they're rock climbing, they're doing outside activities, they're being healthy. So that, that's critical. So be around people that are going to help you achieve those goals and yeah. help them help you achieve your objectives and what you're trying to accomplish rather than pull you down. Right. And I think that kind of speaks to that self-confidence piece that you're talking about too, right? It's hard, it's hard to feel self-confident if you're being unhealthy. So just promoting healthiness goes hand in hand. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sports, endurance sports, I find makes a big difference for that. You must see that with the boys, like just giving them uh, confidence and courage and every, every quarter. So this new quarter, I'm going to be getting a, a new group of students. And when we do our first run, it, I'll be lucky if I can get, you know, three miles out of them. Um, but at the end of this last quarter, our longest run was eight miles. So I will progress these students from three miles to eight miles within this next quarter. So it's, they, they feel so awesome when they get done with that eight mile run. It's like in the beginning of the quarter, they had, they thought there's no way they could do that. So just seeing that their, their self limits are self-imposed and they can see that there's way more that their, their potential is way bigger than they thought it was is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Do you find that they'll, um, fear is something that holds, well, it holds us all back. I mean, let's face it. Fear is something that nobody's immune to. Nobody's going to, let's talk about fear for a second because it must, it must affect the boys because it affects us all. I mean, everyone watching right now, we all have fears come to, what, what kind of, how do you see, what do you see the progress when it comes to the fears and helping them overcome those fears? Yeah. Fear is a big, a big, it holds us all back. Right. Um, and I see the biggest fear with these students is they're kind of in that must be seen as box. They, they don't want to, a lot of them have been bullied. So they have already trauma kind of associated with that and they don't want to feel less than, and they're, they kind of put themselves in the must be seen as box. So it was kind of cool on that race on Friday to kind of observe a lot of students in the beginning. I could see that was, that were scared. They had definite fear kind of acted out. They were kind of making fun of the triathlon or just being really goofy and loud. And that was, that kind of showed me right there that, you know, they, this is scaring them. It's causing them duress. And this is the behavior that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So those are the students that I, I know I, I've got to work with John on some self-confidence, right? 
and, and building him up and kind of get, you know, help combating the fear that he has of being seen as he doesn't want to be last in the race. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to, to see how big of a factor that is in our students that really holds them back and they act out a lot. They, you know, they'll, they'll do impulsive, dumb things just to be, just to fit in or try to fit in. And so, yeah, fear is definitely, definitely something that holds us all back. One thing I love about endurance sports is it allows us to face our fears, I find. Um, and I love that saying, I think it was Mark Twain, do the thing you fear the most and the death of fear is certain. And if we're fearing something, boy, just doing it, just getting into motion and just doing helps us to overcome those. Absolutely. I, I say that all the time. If, if we're not scaring ourselves, we're not really living we're just kind of living a complacent life. And so that that's when I always say that the reason why we get up and do all these hard things is because it is scary and it makes us feel more alive when we do that. They every morning, well, I wouldn't say every morning, but majority of the mornings getting these students up to do eight mile trail runs or 30 mile bikes or all these hard things that we do. It's, it's met with resistance, mm. right? It scares them. They don't want to do it. they, our path of least resistance is, you know, the way they feel. And so they're really resistant in the beginning, but once we get back, the smiles on their faces and the way they feel is, is what makes them come back the next day. And how different is that from us? We all do the yeah, same thing, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, we're, we're afraid for whatever reason, the weather, or we don't, I don't know, whatever's holding us back in the morning from lacing on those shoes and, going yeah. out the door and go for a run or go for a bike. We're fearful of it. And yet when we come back, we're like, wow, that wasn't so hard. That was amazing. Yeah. We're trying to create that pattern with these, with these young men of choosing the hard over the easy, which is another group that I run hard over easy. And it's a principle of just always choosing the hard. And I, I tell them, you know, every morning we wake up and we're every day we have hundreds of small little choices we make, you know, whether it's, do we make our bed, not make our bed, brush our teeth, don't brush our teeth, go to school, don't go to school, do our homework, don't do our homework. So we have all these choices that we, that we can make. The more we choose the hard, the easier life becomes. The more we choose the hard, we, the more we choose the hard. So it becomes a habit. And so when harder things come your way, for example, I could have, if I was in a pattern of choosing the easy and you asked me to do the podcast, which I don't, you know me, I'm not a big talker, but if I was in a pattern of choosing easy, I would have said, oh, I would have come up with an excuse. Joe, I, I can't do it, you know, but because I'm in a, a pattern of choosing the hard on a daily, it's, it's a, it's a much easier decision, right? To say, to say yes. And I use the example of uh, world's toughest race, Fiji all the time. And I say, I would have missed out on one of the biggest opportunities in my life had I not been in a pattern of choosing the hard, right? When James came up, came up to me and said, Hey, here's an opportunity. I wouldn't have saw it as an opportunity. I would have seen it as a scary threat and I would have retreated and avoided rather than, yeah, I'm all in. So I tell these boys, it's really important to kind of create that mindset of choosing the hard and doing it intentionally and doing it consistently. And it really kind of creates the, those habits of 
just being in that growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I love the what you're saying there about hard every day. Choose something hard every day. It's like pushing us out of our comfort zone. And it's outside of our comfort zone that we grow the most. And you probably see that like uh, so much. Of course, we see it in our own lives, but with the boys and, and the program that they go through. That must be, again, pretty neat to see them push out of their comfort zone, get into the hard, and then yeah. grow and develop. Well, I, I would say the common denominator is the the boys that we have have just been living in comfort, you know, and that's why they come to us. They've gotten too comfortable. And so everything has become too hard because they're used to living in comfort. Anything that, be, that stresses them out or causes them discomfort, they avoid and retreat. So a lot of these students have not been going to school. The, anything their parents try to get them to do, they avoid. Um, sports, they quit sports, right? And to kind of to kind of numb everything, substance has become a, uh, something that they turn to. So we also use exercise and endurance sports as a way to combat substance use, right? The erase and replace model, right? We're going to turn those same endorphins that you're getting from substances and we're going to get those in a healthy way by exercise. So, and here's an example. I have a student, a current student that on a run last week hurt his ankle and I thought he'd really injured it the way he acted. And we got him through the run. It was like mile seven of the mile eight run that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And he hobbled the way he hobbled in. But the next day I saw him playing basketball. I'm like, I thought you really had hurt your ankle. And he's like, no, I have a a low pain tolerance. And he's, he has some substance issues, right? So I kind of tied those in. I go, you're self-diagnosing yourself as pain, low pain tolerance. I go, if you live your life with low pain tolerance or low distress tolerance and everything that comes your way causes you distress, I can see why you would want to numb yourself by using substances. So let's work on building that pain tolerance, that distress tolerance through exposure therapy. Let's go do hard things and stress yourself out and cause pain intentionally in a healthy way and learn to work through that, build that tolerance up. And so that's a good way for these students to kind of see that, that correlation between why they use and how they can, how, how, how they can use healthy alternatives to make themselves feel better and to build up that pain tolerance. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Wow. That's really cool. I like that. So, um, the kids come in, let's use the example of the run. Um, they can barely, you know, their first run is what, three miles, you said? Or that's where you're that, starting? That, so that's the, that's next leveled up. Oh, okay. So the the beginning class is not, I don't teach that class. That's but one of my other coaches, Ben. Oh, okay. And so those guys are running like a mile between okay. one, maybe three when they get to the end of the quarter. So they kind of start off one, one and a half oh, to I gotcha. three. So I get the, the next bump up from that. Gotcha. So when they come in, they're starting from scratch. They're starting from they're not jumping right to eight miles. They're going to take through a process. I like to refer to it as short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. Do you, do you naturally take them through that? I mean, obviously they're not jumping to eight miles because that, that could, I mean, it injures people if they go too fast and they're not quite ready. But is that part of a goal setting kind of in a sense that you take them through that process? So by the time they get to eight miles, boy, it's like they're ready. They're ready to, 
to take it on. So I kind of, I don't really, we don't set like those short-term goals, but they are involved in the writing of the workout. So we do a periodization style of workout. So the beginning of the quarter, we'll do just an assessment week and then we'll dive right, right into a two week build where, and they know what's coming. You know, we're going to do a two two week build and they know the workouts every Sunday when they come out. So we do a two week build, a week recovery, a three week build, a week recovery. And then we get into a a two week big block of exercise that kind of leads us to the high volume of cycling and um, trail running and swimming. We do a lot of resistance training too. So there's at least two days a week where we're, we're in the gym combining an endurance event with a resistance training event. So, well, that helps strengthen all their muscles. And plus you, you just, you learn different things in the gym too. Yep. Then out on the trails. And they really like the gym. Oh yeah. The lifting for them is like, they love that. Oh, Coach, know. give me more lifting days, please. And you know that all the time. Yeah. I've seen them over at the gym. That's kind of cool. In fact, my two of my boys work for Telos over yeah. the years and they loved it. It just speaks so highly of the, the program. So, um, uh, talk about no quitting. I mean, this is a big one for you. I watched it in Fiji. I, I watched you go through, that's amazing to, to, uh, observe you guys going through that whole experience, but talk about the importance of not quitting with, with your boys. I sure, I'm sure you, this is a big part of the program. Yeah. And, uh, what, what do you, what, what do you find helps a person to make sure that they don't quit in, in their goals and what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, it's critical because I think once you kind of get into a pattern of you, you kind of put yourself in, I can quit. When something comes up really hard again, it's kind of in, in the back there. You know, I've, I've quit before it kind of, I can do it. So for me, like, it's so important to have the mindset of never quitting, right? And, I mean, taking it right to the the fine line of Fiji where had the race finished in any different order, I probably would have been forced to quit that race, right? But you just, you keep on doing, you keep yourself in the game, right? Keep on, keep on keeping on and being dynamic, being able to, plan B, right? Let's say we're doing an Ironman and you have plan A, right? Which is, let's say nine hours and 30 minutes to finish, right? You've been doing the training. You know that you can push that many Watts for that many hours. You know, your nutrition, what you need to consume and something just, you didn't sleep right the night before you got some stomach GI issues going on. You've got to come up with plan B. So you got to be able to pivot and come up with something that works but quitting's never even in the mindset. It's always just finding a way. It's almost like a game of chess where you're just kind of finding your way through to, to win. There's no, no, no quits not in there. So I talk about that all the time with the boys where it's, it's go, you're, you're always finding a way to be successful and the word quits not never even in, in there. It's yeah. I, you you know how we how we go right like the yeah, ski race sure. right it's, it's, we got a we saw people that were quitting that were passing us on our way which out which affects you 
Yeah. Well, maybe not you, but it was like getting a bike. <laughs> for me, <laughs> for me, it's like we gotta get, we, we gotta, gotta get going. going. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. There's different. There's things that'll come in your life that will kind of make you want to quit, right? And the problem, if if you've if you have ever had that mindset of quitting, it's in the back there somewhere. You know, I've done it before. I can do it again. And so I think it's just so important that that the mindset of just no quit, right? Now, I'm not talking about like pushing yourself to injury or anything like that, but just having the growth mindset of what can I do to keep me in the game? What, what every, you know, everything you're doing is to reach that goal. And the word quit is never even in the, in your head. And I, I've got a, uh, if you don't mind talking about Fiji for a second, because of this, with this subject, is it okay if we yeah. dive into that? So on, at Fiji, there was um, multiple camps, and the last camp that you came into, you guys, I had our, we were all ready for it. And I'm watching Sh- Sean. You're you're like limping into camp, and I thought, "Ooh, I hope everything's okay here." You had cut yourself earlier on, which I knew about, but it started to get an infection. What do they call it again? It's like something to do with the trench water, foot. trench foot. And it actually knocked several teams out. In fact, that that camp that when you guys came in it had knocked out a couple of the teams. Pretty serious thing. They gave you the wrong antibiotic, I think it they was. They gave a lot of people the wrong yeah, did they? Yeah. It was wasn't until later that they figured out what antibiotic that they we should have been taking to Yeah. But Yeah. So we immediately got you in the next morning, you guys leave and Sean's like, dude, you were you were you were, but you were not going to quit. There was nothing in that mind. It was amazing to watch. I'm like, this is incredible. And you made it all the way to that finish line. If you get the chance to watch it, when you watch Sean gets out of the canoe and I mean, you're, yeah, I can't walk. You couldn't <laughs> walk. You couldn't walk. Yeah. You had that mindset. I mean, there was no quitting you. It was incredible. That, that's the key. That's, that's a good way to look at it. Right. That race, it ended with a, I think it was like a 40 or 40 K outrigger, very long outrigger. Um, I remember waking up and I told James, I'm like, I, I can't walk. I, I literally couldn't walk. And he says, well, you, you can paddle. I'm like, you bet I can paddle. And luckily that ended with the paddle because had it been a trek, there's no way. Um, but that the mindset there for me, um, leading into that, um, outrigger section. We had just come off a really long mountain bike. Uh, we came into a staging area where we had to box up our bikes and we knew that the next section, it, it was, it was dark. It was probably like midnight or one in the morning. And I knew that the next section was a, a paddle board and I knew how bad my foot was. James and the other people on the team wanted to take a, take a sleep break there at that, transition area and in my head i'm like I, I can't take a rest here because i'm there's no way i'll be able to get moving again so i went and talked to the the people who are running that that ta that transition area and they said they told me that the currents were working in our favor because it was we were going from a river to the ocean and then from the ocean we had to find a checkpoint off the shore and they told me that the current was working in our favor so i went and Talked to, I went back to our team. I'm like, hey, this is the time to go, guys. I'm like, I know we're tired and we're hungry, but 
this is our time to go. And James like, if you put my bike together, then we'll go. I'm like, done. <laughs> he ended up putting his bike together. But like I knew that that was something that would keep me in the game. And so I wouldn't have to drop out, right? So just those little things that you're, if, if that's what you're thinking about is the end result rather than ways that could take you out of it, you're always looking for success. So you knew you knew the finish line was there, system, and then you piece it together from there. Yep. I like that. Actually, I didn't know that part of the, the, the that you talked about the waves and the, and the currents. I didn't, yeah. I was not aware. It was also crazy at the end of the, the finish line was, didn't get into that part. And the other thing is you had packed us, um, some of those, uh, Fiji the juices oh, did and Coca-Cola's that were in our, our bike boxes. Oh, that was like, did that, that was great. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a boost of energy right that there. That was incredible. Incredible to see you guys come across the finish line. What a remarkable, remarkable experience. Was there anything else that drove you during that? I mean, of course, Amy was going to be there and that, that, uh, Amy's his wife and, Incredible. Also an endurance athlete. Yeah. I mean, what she's done quite a few. Yeah, she's done Squaw Peak a number of times too. A number she of times. Had, yep, six times. Yeah. Wow. Squaw Peak is the is the uh fifty mile race. This is a pretty pretty sizable amount of elevation. Yeah, a lot of vert. Yeah, a lot of vert. Pretty incredible. But she was there, which was kind of cool to to have her at the finish line. But what was like there were you were just driven. I mean, you were driven to finish that. Yeah, there was a a time where I was really struggling in that race and it was going up, uh, Vua Falls. Is mm-hmm. that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we just left that camp and done that really long section through the river, which was a super challenge. And I mistakenly dismissed calories. I wasn't eating like I should have. And we came into Vua. Actually there was a checkpoint right before Vua Falls where they were like almost t- trying to talk us out of going any further. You know, I was like, just stay here and do Vua Falls when, when it's light. And I kind of cocky, I was kind of cocky and said, I think we got this. And we kind of pushed on. And by the time I got to the falls, I was depleted on calories. My mind was low on sleep. I think it was like day six of day 10, right? Uh, 10 days of racing. We were on day six. I was very fatigued and I got to that wall and what, should have been instinctively setting up my, my rope, right? Cause we had, we had a major ascent up this cliff wall with multiple pitches of getting off and on ropes. And the very first, I got to the first rope and blank. It was like, how do I set this up? And I, I, I that was like one Fatigued of my, Fatigued everything. I'm yeah. Like, normally I can set that rope, like rope up, no problem, but it took me way longer than normal. I was confused and I did that first pitch and literally just kind of had to take a step back and like collect my wits. Um, and really I kind of thought back to my, what was my, why, why am I, why am I doing this? Right. Why? And what came to mind was my family. I just kind of thought in the moment of everyone back home, even my students at the time, I thought they're going to be watching this. And I want to make them proud, right? That was kind of like, that was my why. And that really, in that moment, it gave me the power to, to do everything from, it was like everything went silent and I was just in the zone. And from there on, I was just smooth sailing the rest of the way. But it, it was kind of weird how it went from chaos and, and fear 
to silence and focus. Wow. Just by, just by honing into my why. Crazy. That's incredible. Why is so important. Well, we're coming to the end here. A couple quick, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Yeah. Like we could go on and on. I'll save some of these from when we get out on the trail, right? Yeah. A um, couple quick, uh, quick questions thrown at you. Favorite place to run. Do you have a favorite? Like you've ran all around the, you know, all over. Do you have a favorite place? Home base. Home base. Right here at the Wasatch, Timpanogos. Yeah. I, I can't, it never gets old. Yeah. Never does it. Mm-mm. It's incredible. Favorite season to run? Fall. Yeah, me too. The the leaves right now. Unbelievable. Right? Just, do you listen to music when you? I don't, I don't listen to music. Yeah, I really just kind of like to, the boys ask me this all the time. Can we bring music on our runs? I'm like, just listen to nature. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Me too. Uh, trail or, or road for running? Trail. Yeah. Me too. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Sean Christian. So, so grateful that you joined us here. So much inspiration, so much uh, wisdom that you shared with us. Appreciate Appreciate what you're doing for uh, all the local races and everything that you've done for our community to to help our endurance sports community here and also for the boys, countless amounts of boys and, and um, families. And that'll go on for generation and generation and generation. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for joining, Sean. And thank you for joining for this episode of A Cup of Joe, the podcast with Sean Christian. Make it a great day.